This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. As some of you may know, because I've mentioned it a few times, I've in recent months embraced the concept of slow Bible. So rather than treating it like homework, I'm just savouring every jot and tittle, as Jesus might have once said. Um, and I, in the summer, I decided to work my way through Psalms. I'm now up to Psalm 5. And this is what I've not been able to get past this week. From Psalm 5, verse 3, it says, actually, start verse 2. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. What's interesting is if you read this verse, especially verse 3 in different translations of the Bible, it's quite different. Some of them say, I prepare a sacrifice. Some of them say, I worship you. Some of them say, I pray to you. And the reason why it does this is that the word pray or sacrifice or worship isn't there in the Hebrew. What you've got is a verb that means to lay things out in good order which makes me think of um, a scrub nurse setting out all the instruments at the start of an operation. Everything in its right place, all the tools there, everything laid out. And the last two words, and watch. And just the combination of these two things, what David is saying, okay? And David, he did all right, didn't he? So maybe David's principles for life are ones that we should embrace. And what David said is, every morning... I lay everything out before you, God, and then watch to see what you are going to do. And how often do we start our day, even if if we even remember to pray or pick up our Bible? We go through, Lord, I need this and this and this and this is broken. Please fix it. Excellent. Next thing on my to-do list. And we forget the, and then watch to see what God will do. So this is my encouragement to you this morning. And in a moment, I'm going to to pray for us. Let's lay things out in good order. All the stuff that's going on in our lives, all our dreams and our hopes, the things that we think God is calling us to do, the stuff that we don't understand, lay it out before God. And then watch to see what God will do. Let's do that right now. Heavenly Father, All the things that we came into this room with this morning, the things that make us full of joyful expectation, the things that make us full of anxious trepidation, the things that we don't know what even to feel about, the things that are on our to-do list and the things that are on our, oh my goodness, I forgot to do that list. Father God, we lay them all at your feet. Father God, we lay them out before you and we say, Lord, What do you want to do with this stuff? And what are you going to lead us 
to do with this stuff. Lord God, as we worship you this morning, Lord God, I pray that your anointing will flow and fall upon us. And your word says that the anointing breaks the yoke. The things that are holding us back because of fear. The things that are holding us back because we're scared that it might not happen or that it might happen. Lord God, the things that we're just not sure what to think about. Father, you bring freedom when your anointing flows. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That's what your word says. So as we worship you this morning, Lord God, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we would worship you in spirit and in truth. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Good morning. Uh, Before I bring the word, let's just pray. Father God, have your way here this morning, Lord God. Lord, I pray that as I bring the message that you've laid on my heart, Lord God, that the things that you want to bring about in other people's hearts and minds, Lord God, happens. Lord God, I thank you that uh, your word goes forth and uh, accomplishes all that it was sent to do. And Father God, I pray against every distraction uh, that comes in our minds or even in the room or whatever, Lord God. I pray that we will be able to listen to your spirit, speaking to our spirit, Lord God, that we go out of here better than we came in. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. Now, Mark, I'm really sorry. I wish I'd written a note down. But a moment ago, Mark brought a little piece of information you said something about laying it all out and what was the the thing you said after that and watch what God can do laying it all out and watch what God can do oh we have a hand up at the back yes do you want to come oh amen okay sorry I thought you were going to add to it okay awesome so Mark as far as I know did not sneak a peek at my uh, sermon notes this morning, and I think that's important for you to know, because it's actually titled "The Innkeeper's Son." Don't try looking for him in the Bible; he's not there. Um, due to a video we're going to watch later, but actually, my title over the sermon that God gave me is "I Give Myself Away." So lay it all out and watch what God can do. Hold that in your minds, because there's no way that Mark saw this. I don't think, and he did not know. Uh, the main crux of what I feel. We, we do talk, but, not, but that, I think, is awesome because I love it when God does that. And the scripture that Michelle brought at the very beginning, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, I refer to as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I love the fact that we're all listening to God. And whether we're small in number or huge in number, God meets with us. And God is here right now. And I want to tell you right now, before I even start to read the word, I believe that God wants to speak to you individually today. So listen out, because there's something in your heart that's going to ping. There's something in your mind that's going to ping. Okay, let's go. Luke 2, verses 1 to 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, 
to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. That's as close as you get to the innkeeper's son. Just a little spoiler for you there. Now Luke... This is the book of Luke. You know, we've been traveling through Luke in our sermon series anyway. What I love about Luke is he was a great writer choice for the Bible because his accounts include details that place events directly into a specific place in history. So you want to argue with the Bible, go argue with Luke and you'll see that it places it in a historical time and place. He speaks of Quirinius. He speaks of Caesar Augustus. He places this in a specific time. And I love that because this means that the book of Luke isn't just a whimsical book of faith. It's a piece of historical evidence. And here we are at the birth of Jesus on the 4th of December. <laughs> here we are. It's spoilers, everyone. Jesus was born. Um, and today's passage really resonated with me on a different level this year. The government issue a decree that causes chaos for many citizens. Sound familiar? <laughs> but think about it from a different angle. God ensures that his son, the promised Messiah, is born in Bethlehem, even though both his parents come from Nazareth and live in Nazareth. Let's be honest. If we were Mary and Joseph, we'd be likely moaning about the government, at least to each other. Let's be honest. I mean, this census couldn't fall at a worse time. It was going to ruin their Christmas plans. And if you don't know that I'm joking, please see me at the end. <laughs> the government decree was that each person had to register in the towns from which their tribes or clans hailed from. So, and this was before trains, planes, and automobiles had even been thought of. So there would have been many families and individuals who had to set out on a long journey, most likely on foot, to go to a town they may never have ever visited before because their family originally came from that town. And as I was thinking about this, I was realizing that that picture that we have and is often on Christmas cards of the little donkey carrying Mary with her heavy load on a dusty, empty road, which is how it's always depicted, isn't it, is completely wrong. It would have been a busy road with people bustling in both directions as everybody had to get up. Not everybody had to leave because some people did live in the towns that their families came from, obviously, but there would have been many. I mean, hands up, but even now, do you live in the town that your family come from? No. So hands up if that's a no. Let's put hands up. Yeah. I mean, actually, hey, wherever the camera is, there you are, camera. Um, <laughs> That is most of the congregation, okay? Because that's the fact of it. So that would mean all of you would have to get up and go, okay, to your hometown, no matter how far it is. Um, and if we were Mary and Joseph, let's be honest, or any of those people on the road, we would likely be having a bit of a moan 
with other travelers as we pass by, right? We would have had great discussions around the water wells. You know, in between, you've got to take a rest every now and again about how if we were in charge, we would go about it differently. Because we know better, don't we? Especially when we are inconvenienced. We see everything from our perspective. And I can't believe they've done it to us again. Typical Romans. I'm about to give birth. Now we have to travel across country just because the Romans want to update their records. They don't care about us. It's fine for them in their villas with their servants. What about us poor, honest folks? We're having to leave our homes and our businesses. How are we supposed to make money on this journey? We've had to leave it all behind. The carpentry shop is shut up for the next few months. We've got to travel to a town we apparently came from, but we've never visited it before. The government just want to wear us down. They're taking the mickey, aren't they? Etc. Etc. Well, at least they built us a nice road to travel on, eh? <laughs> Go on, be honest. Or maybe it is just me. I don't think it is. However, it played out. The government hugely inconvenienced that expecting couple. Let's be honest. But God had a plan. And truthfully, get this, the Roman occupying government made it happen. God's plan came about because of the government. Sometimes we rail, I've got to get this across, because <laughs> this for me, can I just say, I looked at this passage, we've read a hundred million times, let's be honest, we've read that passage so many times, and it jumped out at me as to how relevant it was for us today. Sometimes we rail against the wrong things because we can't see the bigger picture. So this brings me to point one of my message this morning. Remember who God is. When governments and circumstances seem to be making life difficult, don't get mad, get ready. Because maybe God is positioning you exactly where he needs you through it. Who says you can't preach a strong, thought-provoking message at Christmas? If you take nothing else from today, that's the one to take. Because we rail against these things sometimes and don't realize God's bigger plan amongst it. And I was thinking, because here's the thing, Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem because it was a prophecy made by Micah 700 years previously. He had to be born in Bethlehem. And I was thinking more about this prophecy. And I wondered, why didn't God choose a woman who already lived in Bethlehem? I mean, if we were doing it, that's what we would do. I'm a very logical person. This breaks my logic a little. It hurts. Because that's not the way I would do it. And I realized... God did not simply choose a womb through which to deposit his child on earth. He chose a specific and willing woman. But making that choice comes with individual personality of the woman and her individual plans and the place she's in. It all comes as part of it. And I have to be honest, 
this is from my point of view, obviously. I can only speak from my point of view. Let's always realize that. Every preacher that speaks to you only knows their own point of view. Um, <laughs> but at some point, I believe that many of us, I'm not alone in this, have experienced the feeling that our personality, and I've done that a lot, or our personal circumstances might take us out of being any use by God. And actually, I think that many of us take ourselves out of God's plan for ourselves. So we take ourselves out because we simply think that we couldn't be part of his plan the way we are. I'm too busy, too thick, too weak, too sick, too disabled, too divorced, too married to a non-Christian. The list goes on and on and on. The personal circumstances that could get in the way are endless. But you see, God doesn't choose the easy. He didn't choose a woman in Bethlehem. He chooses the willing. I read this quote from Christine Kane just before I wrote this sermon the other day. So I wanted to include it because it was still resonating in my head. This is what she said. When God wants to send you somewhere, he doesn't ask, are you capable? He simply asks, are you willing? There's a profound difference. God can do wonders with willingness. You see, it would make more sense to our limited human brains for God to choose a married woman already living in Bethlehem to bring his child to earth. It just makes more sense. He needed a virgin, part of the prophecy. So maybe a woman on the morning of her wedding day could have had a visitation from the angel, a woman living in Bethlehem. See, I figured it all out, except God did it differently because of point number two. God does things his way for his reasons. I'm going to be honest with you. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, get used to not having all the answers. Make peace with it. And expect to embrace the fact that things won't always make sense. That's actually how I survive with a smile on my face. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I say it often, but it is the tree of knowledge that brought about the fall of humanity. Stop repeating it. <laughs> you don't need to know everything. <laughs> Settle into the fact that God knows more and does things his way. You might not understand it, but I promise you can trust his way. is always the best way. And his purposes will be accomplished just as he promised, even if he has to get a government decree to get you there. Mary did not fit the human-made profile of a suitable surrogate for the Son of God. She was unmarried. She lived in Nazareth, 80 miles from Bethlehem. She was just promised to a simple carpenter. God knew all of this, and he chose her for the most important job in history. So please stop thinking there are elements of your life that God hasn't noticed, but when he does, they will disqualify you. He isn't some oblivious boss sitting, tucked away in his office. God chose you within your current life and circumstances. Not because you are all he could find, and he had to make do with you. But because he knows you better than you know yourself. And 
because of point number three. God chooses whom he chooses. If you're sat here today or listening online anytime in the future, I'm going to venture that he chooses you. Even if you are reluctant or got dragged here this morning. Perhaps you think you stumbled across this page online by accident. No, no, my friend. None of that is true. You are part of a beautiful, intricate plan from the creator of all. Do you know who he is? Do you know who God is? He's the one that moved planets into place hundreds of years in advance just so that a star could be seen above a stable in Bethlehem. It's he who brought you here today. It wasn't that circumstance and that circumstance and that circumstance that led you here today. He brought you here today because he calls you. So this begs the question that makes point number four, what are you here for? It's a philosophy question that has been looked at over many, many years. For time eternal, philosophers have puzzled over that one. And in the same way today, I'm asking you to look into your heart and ponder the question actually in a twofold manner. What are you here for is the question. The big part of that is what is my call in life? What am I here on earth for? And then there's a now part of that question. What am I here in Hope Church for? What have I tuned in to Hope Church for? Mary had a visitation from an angel. And that was followed by a very physical experience, which stood as pure evidence of her call. Pregnancy and birth that brought Jesus into the world. There was no way she could doubt the call she had upon her life because it just happened within her. But for most of us, his call is way more quiet and subtle But, you know, God invites us to get to know him and work with him to discover it for ourselves. And, you know, this in itself is relationship building between us and Father God. That's why you don't get a visitation from an angel all the time. It's not that he doesn't want to waste the angel's time. It's just that actually he wants us to seek him and build relationship with him and hear from him for ourselves. We can seek to serve him with the best of ourselves and show our gratitude and love for that baby born in Bethlehem who came to save us each individually. Not, You see, we were praying earlier the word corporately. This is an individual salvation that happens. It's for each of you individually from our personal sin that would otherwise have separated us from the Father in heaven. Can I be honest with you? I have so far. I am too thick and too unlearned by the world standards to be a minister of a church. Absolutely shouldn't be standing here. But I have always been, and this you can never take from me, because it's true as true as true. I have always been willing. I've always said to God, use me. I'll do whatever you lead me to do. And that's what he's asking me to do right now, is to stand here and talk to you. (laughs) But, you know, if he changes my course, I'll go with him in the future as well. We cannot take ourselves out of God's plan for ourselves because we don't fit the picture. Okay, that's what I'm trying to say. 
I have to say that when I doubt myself in this role, and that happens quite a lot, he shows his power that's not my own, but is via an anointing that he gives me for the task that I am seeing through right now because I was willing to. This week, he showed me this power by giving me the grace and a quickening in my spirit to write this message down in two hours. If you've ever written a message, that's not normal. Um, And I'm not kidding you. From start to finish, I sat and I wrote and I didn't take anything out. I didn't go off on tangents. I didn't have to cut a whole lot. Usually I have about five pages at the end of notes I might use, I might use. I'll keep it down the bottom, move it down the bottom, move it down the bottom. <laughs> I never use, but they've been kept there because I've gone off and thought. None of that. He took me in a single sitting, beginning to end. Because it's just a simple message but it was quickened to my heart and he led me to do it. And you know what it does for me? Confirms that I'm supposed to be standing here and he knows how to confirm that for me. So why am I here at Hope Church? Well, I'm here right now to lead it in partnership with my husband, the Holy Spirit and the help of Dave and Sue, our elders. Why are you here at Hope Church? Well, I've just said why Dave and Sue are here. (laughs) Maybe it's to hear about the call of God in your personal life. And maybe it's to make a response to that call today, and I will give you an opportunity in a moment. You might be here to be restored, equipped, and discipled further on your journey with God. Maybe you want to respond to the call of God on your life for the first time today, but maybe you are being restored, equipped, and discipled for the ongoing journey that you have with God. And actually, in case you've forgotten, that is the call of Hope Church. Restore equip and disciple all those God sends to us. Maybe you are here in Hope Church to use your giftings to enable that restoration, equipping and discipleship of others who come seeking the hope we have here in Jesus. So I want you to take a moment to answer that question for yourself. What am I here for? While we just watch a quick video from the skit guys. My pop had this way about him. Make me so angry. So I'd come to him with an idea. Could be big or small. Usually it was something I thought would spruce things up around here a bit. And every time, every single time, as if he were reminding me of something, he'd pat me on the back and say, thank you, boy. (laughs) Then he'd go on about his business. It's just his way. You know, a lot of people didn't know it, but um, Bob couldn't read. Now, he'd have me do his reading for him. I remember that day that he came in. He, he, he came to me with a, a notice that had been uh, tacked to the front door of the inn, saying that the government was calling for a census. Well, I didn't have to read that all the way through to know what that meant. Yeah, it meant that People from all over were about to arrive in droves, and they were going to need a place to stay. I said, Pop, we got to get busy. we got work to do. We need to expand our footprint. This little inn of ours is only going to hold a handful of people. I even drew up plans, pushing for profits in every corner that I could. 
I was ready. Yeah, I knew it. It was time for me to take over the family business. Become the innkeeper. <laughs> I was 14. <laughs> Pop patted me on the back and said, thanks, boy, <laughs> and went on about his business. It wasn't long before Bethlehem was busting at the seams. Oh, gosh, we'd never seen so many people. And where was I? Yeah, I was washing linens and sweeping and cleaning out the stables. Picture this, I'm standing there in the stall. The door opens, I turn and see them standing right there. This, this poor man and his wife, and she was great with child. Yeah, yeah, she's pregnant, and Pop told them that they could stay in the barn. <laughs> he lost his mind. There the three of us were. Me, this panicked husband, and this woman in pain, and I knew what that pain meant. It meant that baby was coming, and it was coming now. So what did I do? I was 14. I didn't know what to do. Then, in walks Pop. He's got blankets and water, and he's handling it. He was doing what he always did, <laughs> saving me. And that night, he saved them too. Never convinced Pop that he was a hero that night. No, I can still hear him. He'd say, Boy, all I did was make room that night. The hero that night was God coming down to save us all. and Joseph knew what they were here for. The innkeeper quickly discovered what he was there for. And Jesus always knew what he was here for, to fulfill God's grand salvation plan. The day of his birth, Jesus fulfilled many Old Testament prophecies. But specifically, as I've mentioned already, his birth was in Bethlehem, fulfilling the prophecy of Micah from 700 years before. Let's read it. Micah 5 verse 2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, <laughs> who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And Jesus was only born in Bethlehem, as foretold, because of the government's decree. Remember, we don't have all the knowledge we think we do. So, as we weather these coming weeks of uncertainty, I want to remind you of the words of a wonderful worship song by William McDowell. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself away so you can use me.
you know, if you struggle with that feeling of being restrained and restricted in choices or freedoms by the government's decrees of our day, if you're struggling because the circumstances keep changing, take a moment within the irritation and upset to just think of that young newlywed couple who made an 80-mile journey mostly or completely on foot. They did this in seeming obedience to fulfill the government's requirements. Yet we know it was really to fulfill God's plan for salvation for the world. Just take that in because for me, this really helps me right now. I hope it does you. And let's indeed... Let peace reign in our hearts as we remember the other prophecies that surrounded Jesus' birth, included, as Michelle read for us this morning, included his titles of Wonderful Counselor and Prince of Peace. Let his peace reign in your heart. So as we close this time together, I want us to pray aloud some of the words from that song that I just mentioned as a heart response to God's call on us here today. And I want you to pray this in you, for, for the area that you are responding for. Whether you're asking for God's help, strength and faith over the continuing months of likely COVID-related worries, restrictions, government decrees, whatever comes up, let's be honest. Or whether you want to respond this morning, or maybe it's both, to Jesus' call on your life, either for the first time or for a specific role and more clarity because he's laying something on your heart right now. All of that is held together in the response prayer we're going to make together now because the words of that song really say it all. It's not about me. It's all about him. It's about laying it before him and watching what God can do. So that's what we're going to do during these words as we pray them together. We're going to stand together and let's pray aloud, read it on the screen as we give ourselves completely to God and give him permission to see his plans come to pass in each of our individual lives. Do stand. <laughs> I know we don't do that that often. I don't make you stand and speak, but I'm asking you to today because it's a, it's a sign of commitment. And you know what? If you don't want to now pray, say these words aloud because you don't want to make this commitment to God, that's up to you, okay? But let's make that commitment together, those of us who want to respond. So here we go. Lord Jesus, here I am. Here I stand. Lord, my life is in your hands. Lord, I'm longing to see your desires revealed in me. I give myself away so you can use me. Take my heart, take my life as a living sacrifice. All my dreams, all my plans, Lord, I place them in your hands. I give myself away so you can use me. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself to you. Amen.
And Father God, I thank you for each and every heart that's responding to you right now. Uh, For each and every person who has said that in earnest from their heart and from their spirit, Lord God, I pray that right now you will fill them with your spirit and you will ignite in them a new passion for the things you are calling them to. Lord, I pray that every person in this place and every person who tunes into this will be able to answer the question, at least in the for now part of what am I here for? Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.